So the whole Hanukkah story really comes down to the evil Syrian Greek empire on one side and the loyal, virtuous Jewish people on the other side, right? Uh, well, not quite so simple. Shalom, everybody. Welcome to Rabbi Ian 3, a short burst of Jewish wisdom. I'm Rabbi Yosef Edelstein, Rabbi E for short, and this is episode four of Illuminating Hanukkah, a special eight-part series, one podcast for each of the eight days of Hanukkah. And that, my friends, is a Hanukkah miracle in and of itself that I, Rabbi E, have recorded three days of podcasts in a row. Incredible. It's been a lot of fun. Today is day four, episode four, and I'm a little bit nervous because we're going to go into trickier territory. First three episodes, very upbeat, very inspirational. I hope true to the sources and true to life. But, you know, life is not always so simple and there are gray areas. When there was a full-scale battle between the Jews and the Syrian Greek army of the time of the Hanukkah events, the Maccabees leading a very small number of loyal traditionalist Jews, meaning loyal to the Torah and its commandments, fighting, taking up arms against the Syrian Greek Empire after these brutal decrees of religious persecution, which we talked about last night. When we're at that stage of the story, then I, my sympathies and loyalties, and I hope most of yours, are pretty clearly on the side of the Jews. You know, I mean, I hope. Um, it's pretty clearly good versus evil over here, and our right to practice our holy Torah, follow the holy Torah as we see fit, if we choose, versus someone telling us to, you know, go Greek right? (laughs) On pain of death. But in the years before that, well, let's just say there were Jews on both sides of the discussion or debate of just how Greek to be. And we might not be surprised that there were divisions among Jews, right? We haven't been fully unified, I don't think, since we uh, we're at the foot of Mount Sinai. There, our rabbis beautifully tell us we were in complete accord to receive God's Torah, like one person with one heart. <laughs> I don't want to say it's been downhill since uh, since then, but I don't think we ever had that unanimity, have had that unanimity of purpose um, and probably love for each other as we had at Mount Sinai. We got to strive for it for sure. But anyway, there were divisions within the Jewish people at the time of these events, and especially in the upper classes of the Jewish population, all the historical sources say, there were misyavnim, we call them, Jews who wanted more Hellenism. They wanted Jerusalem to look more like a Greek city. And this, um, let's say, weakening of attachment to the law, to the Torah, was even found in the families of Kohanim, priests, the descendants of Aaron, who usually were the most zealous followers of God's law, they serve in the temple, and there were and there was corruption at the time, and there were wealthy people buying their way into the high priesthood by you know bribing Antiochus, and there was political machinations. It was a, a messy picture. And here's the point. The sources say that Antiochus, this Syrian Greek tyrant who was in charge of the land of Judea, was if not fully brought in to the politics of Jerusalem, he was at least encouraged and even egged on at times by these Hellenizing Jews who wanted to make Jerusalem look, look, look more like a Greek city. And it says they convinced him to build a Greek-style temple near the holy temple, the Beit HaMikdash, and some of these Kohanim priests would even you know, sneak out from their watch to go do the naked wrestling thing in the Greek 
Colosseum or whatever, and they would, it says, try to hide their circumcisions so they would appear more Greek and less different. So in other words, I won't call it, we shouldn't call it, I don't think, a civil war, but there was a, a, a division within the Jewish people. How loyal to the Torah and its commandments or how much going after the Greek civilization, Greek way of life, and so on and so forth. And really, this, is, this part of the story and the discussion is why I think Hanukkah is so relevant um, if we really confront what it is saying to us, right? Because really, every one of us, well, let's say that now, we don't live in Hellenistic times, I guess, although, you know, Western civilization is really a descendant of that, uh, partially, but we live in a time when assimilation is a big problem and when there's a very attractive culture, secular, materialistic, scientific, rational, and again, I'm, these are, we would need much more time to sort through all these strands. But you know, I'm, you know, I'm saying, like, how loyal are we to the Torah? How much are we pulled away, entranced by, bewitched by the culture out there? Now, that's not something we or anyone can prescribe or, you know, or, or legislate. Every one of us has to look into our own heart. How Jewish am I? How Jewish do I want to be? What does my Judaism mean to me? How, much, how Greek do I want to be? How American do I want to be? These are serious questions, actually, you know? Which side is our heart, the heart of each and every one of us, on? And, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, uh, every one of us, and by the way, it doesn't matter if someone, you know, is dressed in black, rabbinical-looking garb. Inside, they could be thinking Greek, or thinking American, or, or thinking secular, more than, you know, loyalty at the deepest level to the Torah and its commandments. It's not, an, it's not, it's, it's not you know, it, all, all of us are affected in some way or another by this tension. Um, you know, and, and look, we could, we, now there's not, it's not a temple, holy temple versus naked wrestling, but it might be, you know, Friday night Shabbos versus Friday night Netflix. Uh, now, I'm not judging, I'm not, and I hope it doesn't sound harsh, but I mean like, but, you know, but at some point, there's a choice to be made how loyal one is to the Torah and its ways versus how much one follows other ways. Um, you, I guess you could say the culture at large, capital C, or the commandments. Now, let me quickly say here, it's not all or nothing, right? I once met many years ago, I'm sorry I'm going longer, it's an important topic, right? Um, I once met many years ago a college student from a very observant Jewish background, and she said to me these exact words. She said, Rabbi, I hate Hanukkah. And she explained, as I remember, this was many years ago, but it was because she felt it was like a rejection of, you know, cosmopolitanism and civilization and aesthetics and everything just, you know, for the sake of blind, loyal traditionalism, whatever. I reject that way of looking at it totally. I, I, I went to a university. I was an English major for whatever that. You can enjoy literature. You can enjoy art. You can enjoy, you know, Greek wisdom in its proper context, of course. But where is our full commitment, where is our full loyalty, where is our full love? And that's, again, not something that anyone can legislate or dictate or tell you one way or the other. One has to decide that. So where your ultimate, I guess I'm oversimplifying a little bit, but you probably had this. But I remember when I was in Hebrew school years and years ago, you know, I think you probably had it too. Some teacher said, do you think of yourself as a Jewish American or an American Jew? Which first? Now, again, I, I, I know America is different than Antiochus, right? And there are no decrees now. But anyway, it's not all or nothing, for sure not. Someone can be a 
cultured, fully Orthodox Jew, if someone, someone wants to be. And I know many of those people, and I hope I'm, well, I don't know how cultured I am, but I, I, I hope I aspire to, you know, have a balance, a worldly, uh, you know, open to the world, but also loyal to tradition. But in any case, so it's not all or nothing, but a choice has to be made in certain ways, every one of us in our lives at some point, whether it's actual mitzvah observance or the values of the Torah versus the values of the culture out there, what really pulls at our heart, you get the idea. I've gone on too long, but hey, um, may we all find it in our heart. I hope to see the depth and beauty of Judaism and to appreciate this beautiful holiday. And thank God we live in a world where we can enjoy, and even back then, it was never totally all or nothing. Maybe when it comes to the bow, bowing down to pagan guide, pa- pagan gods, yes, that's an all or nothing proposition. But not when it comes to you know enjoying aesthetic, um, aesthetic uh, values, right? Judaism and the Torah and the Talmud very much appreciate. Actually, I'll just mention that point. We're supposed to bring in a sense of the aesthetic to our performance of the mitzvot. And the mitzvahs we do should be beautiful. But Maimonides says looking at beautiful paintings and things is something that elevates the mind and, and you know, is, is good for someone's spirit. Again, in context, obviously. Um, so, right, not on Chavez. Well, I mean, actually, hey, in D.C. you can go into the museum and you don't have to, you know, you just walk in for free or whatever. So, hey, if you're in Chavez in D.C., you can go see art. Again, it's, it's, it's a question of degree. It's a choice. I'm going on and on, but I'm not going to, I'm going to let this one go. You know, sometimes I just, uh, I, I do lots of takes, but we're going to keep this take. Hope you found it interesting. Have a wonderful, inspirational fourth day of Hanukkah and hear me next time. <laughs>